0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Welcome to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. So good to have you with us. Now, this is where we, uh, we take a break from the regular news cycle, the policies and the politics of Washington, D.C., to have a more of a personal conversation with some of our elected leaders and, and really get to know them hear about their Christian journey and the role their Christian faith has played, not only in their personal lives, but in their professional lives as well, as members of Congress and other positions of influence that they uh, have held or are holding. Now, how how is it? How does their faith in Christ motivate them? And how does it shape their policymaking? Well, since uh, starting this Faith in Freedom series, we've heard from many men and women serving in the government whose faith plays a critical role in their lives and work. And joining me uh, in just a bit to share his story will be Senator Marco Rubio from Florida. And then later, we'll be joined by Congressman Ralph Norman, who serves South Carolina's fifth congressional district. Uh, But before I get to my first guest, I just want to remind you that we're coming up on the end of the year. And the only way that Washington Watch is heard on the nearly 800 stations that it's heard on is because of Uh, Men and women, friends, listeners like you who uh, support us. And so we've got a generous matching challenge that's there that, in effect, will double whatever your gift might be. So uh, if you'd like to partner with Washington Watch, Family Research Council, go to TonyPerkins.com and make your contribution there. Well, my first guest today, Senator Marco Rubio, was first elected to the United States Senate in 2010, Today, Senator Rubio is chairman of the Senate Committee on Small Business and Entrepreneurship, where he has advocated modernizing and reforming the federal government's programs to help small businesses thrive in the 21st century economy. Senator Rubio also fights for human rights and works to uphold democracy around the globe as a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and as chairman of the Subcommittee on the Western Hemisphere, Transnational Crime, Civilian Security, Democracy, Human Rights, and Global women's issues. Senator Rubio is also acting chairman of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, where he provides oversight over the U.S. government's intelligence community and national security apparatus. Additionally, Senator Rubio is a member of the powerful Senate Appropriations Committee, where uh, he is responsible for allocating funding for the federal government. Prior to being elected uh, to the United States Senate, he served in Florida at the state legislature there. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas, Tony. Well, Merry Christmas uh, to you as well, Senator. Uh, Let me just start, um, you know, as an American whose family fled Cuba, you've spoken passionately about political freedom, and uh, you've spoken just as passionately about the underlying spiritual freedom that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just kind of start right there with you, Senator, just If you would, just share with our listeners kind of that personal experience that you uh, have with Jesus Christ and where that began.
2: Well, I have to give credit to my parents, especially my mother. I don't think there was ever a time in our life when Christ and Christianity was not a part of our upbringing. um, But I think certainly like anything else, I mean, I, I think you most certainly can plant seeds in the life of your child and influence them in that direction but there comes a point as an adult where you have to sort of embrace that journey yourself and we all come there in different ways and so I would say to you that I I can't say that there was ever a time where I had fallen away and sort of came back as an adult or anything of that nature but there are certainly times that have heightened uh, my reliance on my faith and like anybody else I mean it's moments of tests and trial uh, but I'll tell you another moment that that happens, and that is when you realize that uh, you now have an obligation to raise children. We've been blessed with four children. Two of them are now young adults, and two of them are still in, in, one in high school, one in middle school, and you realize you only really get you know, a handful of years to really influence them and sort of their values and give them that foundation before you know, they have to go out and make those decisions and those choices for themselves and, and accept those things. And so you pray a lot for your children. And that, you know, something that I, I tell people all the time, I sort of identify with my parents more every single day. I look back at things they would say or things they would worry about, which I didn't understand at the time, but I do now because I think in the modern era, you actually have less time to influence your children than you used to. You're, you're competing almost from the moment they are able to comprehend sentences and words. You're immediately competing with a broader culture that, that I feel is always trying to undermine, mock, and or, or cause them to question uh, the, the the values that that you hope to instill in them, and so um, I can tell you that that's one area where you at some point you just you pray a lot for your children because you, you realize there's only so much we can do, and ultimately you got you know God has to play a role in their lives
1: it's so well said uh, in fact, scripture speaks that proverb says, "Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it as as parents. You know, we have a role to play, obviously. We've got to plant those seeds, as you talked about how your mother did that for you. But as as well, as you pointed out, at some point, we each have to make that choice for ourselves. And so as parents, we do the very best we can but then there comes that point where our children moving into adulthood, moving into, uh, you know, that maturity level, they have to make that decision for themselves. You know, I'm not going to get into uh, uh, the policies per se, but I'm just going to say this as a um, former chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, now vice chairman, uh, you have played a, a tremendous role in the United States Senate as it pertains to international religious freedom. Why is that such an important issue that we work to ensure that men, women, and children around the globe have the freedom, have the freedom, not 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 mandating anything upon them, but giving them the ability to make a choice regarding their faith?
2: Well, I actually think if you look at every culture that's existed in human history, it's had some belief in a higher being, you know and and the, what I believe is, and I, I feel as deeply is that, that's evidence of a Creator. That's evidence that in our DNA, that in our design, there's this desire to connect with our Creator. And those of us at the Christian faith have an especially important role to play in terms of religious freedom, because it is, and I can't tell you I'm a theological expert, so I understand the theology of every other major religion in the world, but I know that Christianity is something that you have to freely accept, but that, of course, requires freedom. You have to have the freedom to accept it and the freedom to reject it. It's not something you can compel someone to do or force someone to be a part of. It's something you have to freely accept. But what it calls for you to do, it ultimately, is it doesn't say that the world is irrelevant or that what's happening in the world is irrelevant. Uh, it, what it does say, though, is that the most relevant thing is, is that your, relation, your relationship with, with Christ, your relationship through Christ with your creator, and ultimately eternity, you know, the, the life in a new heaven and a new earth. And, um, and, in order, and, and that's threatening to a lot of governments. China is a great example of it. A lot of totalitarian states do not want to compete with religion or faith, most certainly not with Christianity. They feel threatened by it. And so they try to quash it, or they, or they try to control it and shape it as they do in many parts of the world. And so in order to defend religious liberty, you have to defend religious liberty for everybody, of every faith. But I think that's essential for the Christian, because ours is the one faith that absolutely requires the freedom to choose it. You can't be forced. you can't force someone to be a Christian, and, 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 uh, and that freedom, uh, of course, is, is, is threatened by totalitarian states who either A, want everyone to be of a certain religion and are intolerant to others, or don't want any religion or any competition in the spiritual realm with the power of government in people's lives. And um, and that's a universal value that I believe is true for all mankind. If we don't defend it, it begins to erode, first abroad, but also at home. And and, yes. um, and within a generation, we could face a very different challenge here.
1: Well, well said. I agree 100%. I think that's why we, we need to focus on religious freedom internationally, because if we neglect it, um, it, will, uh, it will soon be lost here at home. And, and as you talk about these totalitarian governments, the communists uh, being hostile to religious freedom, uh, you know, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm tempted to talk about how secular governments can also be hostile uh, to religious freedom, but I'm going to restrain myself from going there today. Uh, but uh, you made reference to the, you know, the theological aspects of, of religion, obviously eternity. But Christianity, and you've spoken to this, how Christianity has relevance today in very practical ways in terms, let's just talk about something that's not often spoken of, but that's how Christianity basically informs um it, the economy, uh capitalism, and, and how we can provide greater opportunity for more people. Your parents being examples of this.
2: Yeah, look, I mean... So, you know, one of the things I'm always cautious about is that the the faith does not guarantee you a life free of suffering. It does, or Christianity does not, on the contrary. It tells you in this life you'll have great trials and troubles. And and it also tells you that, uh, you know, that that, um, it doesn't promise you wealth and prosperity in any way. What it does do, however, is it recognizes that you're created for a purpose, and that part of that purpose, no matter what your life is, is to use uh, the every you know every the, ambi- the skills that people have, the talents they have, the natural desires they have, the ideas they have about how to, you know, open up a business. These things, these things are programmed in you by your creator, who specially designed you with these skills, with these talents, with these abilities. And the world may value them differently based on how much they pay or whatever it might be, but the creator doesn't. Um, he made you, and, and so he understands right. that he wanted you to be that way. And so to have the freedom economically, to, you know, it's hard to explain to somebody that being the owner of a laundromat, you know, it may not be glamorous to the world, but it may, but that may be exactly why God created you. That's the desire that he put in your heart, the entrepreneurship. He put you in that place at that time, and to have the freedom to pursue that dream and have a life in which through work you can produce and provide for your family you know work is is a requirement is a commandment that we're it's also an expectation so you have to have an economy that produces work but also one that gives you the opportunity to to work and to pursue your dreams and and that's where capitalism i think is the best system in the world for it, it is a more it is a system designed by mortals that isn't perfect there are people that abuse it and misuse it and misconstrue it and and turn it into their own ways and it's not about greed it's not about crushing the poor and benefiting the rich and that any of those things. It's about opportunity, the opportunity through hard work to be able to achieve whatever ambition and desire you have in life uh, w- within the context of, of what your creator has, has, has created you to do.
1: And, and that gets into religious freedom, because what you're describing there is what some have referred to as the Protestant or the Puritan work ethic, where Everything we do, as Paul says in the New Testament, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. And so that's why religious freedom and economic opportunity really go hand in hand, because as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we see our work as an extension of our worship.
2: Absolutely. In fact, that is it is worship. Um, and And so one of the, I think, most compelling and powerful teachings of the faith is that it doesn't matter whether you're the person who cleans up and the, the parking lot at a, at a, at a, at a you know, major retailer or the CEO of the company that owns that retailer. Both of you are worshipping by that work. You have used the health and the opportunities that you're creating, the energy and the life that your creator has given to you, and you put it to work. And people say, well, how, how can picking up a, 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 you know, a parking lot be worship?" Well, the first thing I would tell you is through your example. In many cases, what people know about Christianity is based on the christians that they know based on how they see christians behave and then if you look at the early church in particular one of the things that impressed the pagan world about the christians were that these are people that were being abused mistreated ostracized persecuted and nonetheless, lives life with a joy and a certainty of a better tomorrow. You know, in terms of right. of uh, of eternity, that that ultimately made the pagan world say, "We want what they have. We've tried everything else, right? We've tried wealth, we've tried uh, alcohol, we've tried you know, sex. We've tried all these things that the world says is the is the key to pleasure. And we don't have the peace that these people have. Where does it come from? Now, it took generations. And that, in many cases, that 10, message
1: is, but it is still. It's still powerful today. And we're up against a break. We're going to come back and finish that conversation. Senator Marco Rubio, my guest. Folks, stick with us. We're back right after this.
3: Hey, Matt.
0: Hey, Hannah.
3: What's going on? Why so gloomy?
0: Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it.
3: Oh, yeah? Yeah. What did you have planned that you didn't get to do?
0: Well, I was actually hoping I'd finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it.
3: Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out.
0: When did they start? I I would be so far behind.
3: Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in anytime. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading.
0: Nice. Where can I find this?
3: Go to FRC.org Bible and you can get started.
0: Where's that again?
3: FRC.org Bible.
0: Got it. Checking it out now.
3: In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular Biblical Principles for Political Engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview.
1: Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Parlor, it's uh, at TPerkins. My guest in the first uh, portion of the program today is Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. We were just talking about religious freedom. It's interconnected with um, your work, doing all that you do for the glory of God. And uh, so we were talking about that. And, and Senator, thanks so much for uh, for sticking around as we continue this conversation because I want to I build on that thought for just a moment because wh- as you were talking about whether you're the CEO of the company or you're a janitor or whatever, you're doing your role as unto the Lord. And we all give an account for God in terms of what we do with what we have in the responsibility we've been given. I want to talk for a moment about senators, congressmen, elected officials, there are some who think you should check your faith at the door of public service. How could you perform your duties in a way that honors God if you had to leave your faith out?
2: Well, since it's, I hope it is and works for it to be such an important part of my identity, it's, it's number one, it's impossible. Number two is I don't understand why I, I uh, I have given my life to a faith that teach, teaches me to care for the less fortunate. It teaches me that all, every human being has value in the eyes of God, that they're all created by a God that, that, that loves us no matter how wrong we are and how wrong we do. Um, it teaches me to care, for, like I said, for those, uh, the orphan, uh, the widow, which uh, in the context of the era in which those words were written, is basically anyone who is not fortunate. I think in many ways it explains why the United States is the most charitable nation, in the history of mankind, even among those that are not adherents of a faith, continue to donate to charities because of that tradition that was built that, are, that, d- that derives from our faith tradition in this country. So I don't know why people wouldn't want people who are motivated by those things. Um, and I think where they should be troubled is when I or anybody else who uh, adheres to Christianity and claims the faith do not live up to those standards and to those principles, and I fall short, and we will all fall short. But I think that's a positive influence on our country and on public servants, Uh, especially since my faith is a faith which I can't force anyone to be. I mean, I can't force anyone to be a Christian, nor can anyone force me to be one, because as I said at the outset of the show, it's it's the one faith I know of where you have to freely accept it. It cannot be something that you're forced to do. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, you think about what this this country, what the world would look like without men and women of faith who who do just what you just described they go out and they serve because of their faith and if they had to leave that behind i don't think they would enter this realm of public service now you've taken some criticism uh, i mean i have taken a lot of criticism but look, you share a scripture every day on twitter and i know that because i follow you because i do the same um I, I i post scripture every day on twitter tell our listeners why that's important to you and why you take the time to do that each day
2: well, it's the first thing I try to do every morning if it's possible, and then it speaks to me and I share it with people. I always tell people, you know, those who follow me on Twitter, it's voluntary. You don't have to read the tweet. You don't have to follow me if it offends you. I do two things that are by design. The first is I deliberately try to, to the extent possible, uh, pick from the Old Testament simply because I want it to apply to the broadest audience possible, and and um, you know, many of our brothers and sisters of the Jewish faith, you know, who, who for them, that's scripture as well, but, but often at times around. Christmas and Easter and so forth. I will go into gospel. Second is a lot of people, and this I get a little chuckle from. They think that there's some sort of hidden message in there. On I would say 80 or 90 percent of the days, it's straight from either a devotional or, frankly, the, the Catholic reading for that day, that that da- the daily mass. <laughs> it mean, yeah, really is just yeah. right out of there.
1: It's interesting. I've seen that where you've gotten pushback, you know, people reading into those scriptures. That does two things uh, to me. It tells me a couple of things. One is how relevant the scripture is to the issues that we're facing. And number two, how paranoid that some are uh, about what the scripture has to say, that they see the crosshairs of scripture in almost everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, it comes from one of two places. It either comes from the daily reading as part of the part of the Catholic mass or um, if for whatever reason it's not applicable that day or whatever I, I may go to proverbs and pick one of the thirty chapters since most days of the and, and try to match it up with the day of the month literally yeah. it comes from that but but it's fine you know i think it's exactly right and i mean it speaks to, to how powerful and relevant it's an amazing amazing book i mean the bible is amazing about the lessons that it has about human nature that apply in many cases you know five thousand four thousand years and in the new testament over two thousand years after those words were written how people can take those words and extrapolate it and apply it to some contemporary issue as of um... when people get upset i would say hey don't get mad i didn't write the bible i, I, I but I'm a. i'm uh... i just believe in it
4: we,
1: we we just got a couple of minutes left, and this is probably a a question I I should ask at another time because it's going to probably take a while to answer. But I to, just to consolidate in our time uh, remaining, you know, your family. I mentioned your your parents grew up in Cuba. They came here, worked hard. Um, you know, they now have a, a son who ran for president, who is a senator, uh, very influential. Uh, prominent public figure are you let me just say this i know you're concerned about the socialistic trends of america speak to our listeners about how they need to be praying and what they need to be doing to ensure that freedom continues in america
2: yeah i'll tell you this about socialism a lot of people try to narrow it down to an economic model and it most certainly has an economic component to it but at the core socialism is the belief that government has to be supreme that the state has to be the supreme authority in, any, in a country. It's the only way socialism works because you need the power of the state to distribute wealth, to decide who can work where, what you can do, how much you can make, and how much you have to give to the government. And the minute you make the state the central power in any society, that means everything else takes a back seat to it the family, the community, the churches, and synagogues and faith communities, everything else, the individual, all take a back seat to it. And I'll tell you, you see trends and tendencies of that even now. Again, I know the show is more of a lighthearted one about some of these things, but you see some of these tendencies now and some of these local government decisions that are being made uh, that where you know, it's okay for thousands of people to get together in the street and, and protest. It's not okay for 300 people to get together and worship. Um, right. you, you can go to jail or be fined for it. So, so true. my point is that the problem with socialism isn't simply the economics of it, it is that it puts... It puts government in a godlike position, the state in a godlike position, and you know you can't serve two masters. If you're serving the state, right. then that means everything else, including your own family, is secondary.
0: Right,
1: Senator. We're going to have to leave it there, but I want to invite you to come back on another time and unpack that further. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate all that you do on Capitol Hill and across America and around the world for uh, faith, freedom. And uh, the family. So thanks so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you, Tony. God bless you and all of you. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas. And folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, Congressman Ralph Norman of South Carolina joins us as we continue this Faith in Freedom edition.
3: Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received 616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org/pro-life-maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org/pro-life-maps. Oh man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh?
1: welcome back to today's faith and freedom edition of washington watch i'm tony perkins your host so glad to have you with us let me remind you the end of the year is fast approaching and we know that monumental battles are on the horizon in 2021 and i'm just going to ask you Flat out, will you partner with FRC to make a difference? There are just a few days left for you to double the impact of your gift through a generous matching challenge. So join us. Help us in defending life, biblical values on marriage, and the free exercise of our faith. Go to TonyPerkins.com and you can make your contribution there all right we uh, we just heard from uh, senator rubio now we're going to go to the other side of the capitol to the house of representatives and uh, we're going to be talking with uh someone's become a, a good friend someone that i i respect a lot as i've watched his leadership here on capitol hill congressman ralph norman he was elected to the house in 2017 to represent south carolina's fifth congressional district where he's been a lifelong Resident. After graduating from Presbyterian College in 1975, he spent his private sector career with the property and construction company that his father founded and helped grow that business into one of the foremost commercial real estate development firms in the region. Over the course of his career, he has also served with a number of organizations dedicated to improving the community, including the um, York County Home Builders Association, the Children's Attention Home, the Salvation Army, and the Medical University of South Carolina Board of Visitors. As a public servant, Congressman Norman spent a total of 11 years in the South Carolina State House before being elected to the U.S. Congress and, uh, in a special election, as I mentioned, in 2017. In both Columbia and Washington, he earned a reputation as a strong pro family conservative whose value, who values fiscal responsibility and individual liberty. If you ask Congressman Norman, however, he'll tell you that none of those accomplishments hold a candle to what he values most, his faith and his family. He and his wife, Elaine, have been married for over 45 years, and together they have four married children and 17 grandchildren. They are members of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Hill. Congressman, welcome
4: back to the program. Well, my pleasure, Tony. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I can uh, I, I can validate those conservative credentials. I've watched you here on Capitol Hill, and um, and we're gonna we're we don't have much time, so we're gonna get started in this segment, and then we're gonna come back with another segment. But I, I want to go back to to where it all starts, and and I know our listeners would be very interested in hearing your journey, your Christian faith, how you came to know Jesus Christ and follow Him.
4: Well, sure. And this is a great, I appreciate you doing this, particularly this time of of year and particularly with what we're going through in our nation's capital and the halls of of Congress. But I uh, grew up in, you know, small town in in South Carolina. We uh, had Christian parents, grew up Methodist, uh, coming up through high school and through college, accepted Christ in college, um, and had a, actually had a tent meeting. That was very influential with not just me but a lot of other college uh, uh, attendees at the time, and then uh, you know followed uh, as we as I became uh, up through college and uh, through marriage and children, uh, really a relationship with Christ that um, personal and it's, it's' such a I don't know how people. Uh, particularly now, uh, can get through without you know a relationship. Look what Rush Limbaugh is going through, and with everything he's he has material-wise, it's his relationship to Christ. But um, but no, I uh, I'm just fortunate. We had a great family, great wife, uh, children that we've been proud of, and, uh, and and a public life, a private life in the real estate world, and a public life that. Uh, has been very rewarding and uh it's something that uh every day that that we have we start off with uh a bible reading the bible that 's continued in Congress we get together uh every Thursday for testimony and we get together wednesdays to um to go over uh for for prayer time and uh people would not think of that in Congress but it's just right. such a uh, it's it's a great great experience that pe- more and more people are, are will and have gotten involved with. Yeah, let me ask you
1: on that point: um, When you came to Congress, were were you were you surprised at the the number of men and women of of deep committed personal faith?
4: You know, I was there, there. I will tell you during when we have testimony uh, the hour at eight o'clock on Thursday morning when you have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, uh, those of the Muslim faith, and others. Uh, when you hear their testimony, and then when you hear how they they vote, there's a disconnect somewhere. I mean, how do you, as an example, vote? Uh, for abortion to kill a child and profess, uh, you know, the, the Christian faith. And uh, but that's been a surprise. And uh, on the same token, you've got people like Jody Heiss and um, and others who, uh, you know, not only profess their faith, they vote their faith. There's never a disconnect. And I mm-hmm. think that's growing. To be honest with you, oh, I, uh, with I, I agree. I've,
1: I've seen that trend really since 2010 was a, a turning point. Uh, Congressman Norman, we're up against a break. And we want to come back, and on the other side of this break, I, I, I want to two things. I want to focus on next is is with a successful private business, you were doing well. Why enter the public arena? And then two the role that your faith plays each and every day you've already alluded to it but i want to unpack that a little bit more so folks stay with me Uh, congressman ralph norman is here he's my guest we're going to continue our conversation with him about his journey with christ and his move into the public arena and how his faith guides his steps don't go away we're back with more washington watch after this
0: Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com.
5: Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There is no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts, as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles, like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com.
1: back to Washington Watch this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch I'm Tony Perkins the website tonyperkins.com if you're on conservative parlor it's or I should say free speech parlor it's at t perkins and uh, let me again remind you we're coming up to the end of the year and we certainly need your partnership If, if washington watch is to continue and even expand beyond the 800 stations we're currently on so that more americans can hear from our leaders and get news and information from a biblical perspective we need partners because we do not get any kind of government money none zero it's all based upon what you our listeners, and our supporters across the country give. So uh, between now and the end of the year, just a few days left, we have a generous matching challenge, which in effect doubles everything that you give. Go to TonyPerkins.com uh, to partner with us. I, we were uh, talking with Congressman Ralph Norman of South Carolina about his uh, journey uh, with Christ as he came to, uh, to know him as a child, as a young boy, and now is he's in Congress, having served in the South Carolina legislature. Uh, Congressman, I want to ask you this question. I mean, you're very successful in business. You were doing quite well in, in real estate development. What prompted you to enter into the public arena as an elected official?
4: Well, I guess I was fortunate because it's not something that I had to do. Um, you know, I was enjoying my business and really enjoyed the real estate world, development, and we're in a growing part of the country. And but no, as I saw the decisions being made, I said, you know, that negatively affected uh, just the taxpayer. Uh, I said I've got to get involved, and of course ran for the state house and won. Uh, Nikki Haley and I came in the state, South Carolina State House at the same time in 05. But uh, simply, I think we're called to it. I mean, if if you look at, at Donald Trump, I think he, by all odds he shouldn't have won the presidency in 2016, 17 candidates, no political experience, never held office, yet he won. I think he was a providential candidate. Um, in my case, when I first got here. Uh, I thought to myself, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> because you, it takes all your time. You can't, um, you know, you're away from family and whatnot. But I think, um, the Esther, I think it's 414. It says we're called to the kingdom, um, for such a time as this. And that's, I, that's our calling. And as I tell groups everywhere I speak, uh, I pull out my billfold. And I've I called on the pastors. I said, and, and I mentioned the fact that how can the Christian faith grow? How can churches expand if you don't have the donations to do it with? And I tell you that, and, and, and the enemy is government that's taking more and more of our money and it's not going to the churches. And it's up to people like me, um, Jody Heiss, uh, others to, uh, to stop the anti-Christian uh, movement, and it's primarily through funding. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the groups that are shut down now, That uh, the Christian groups, yet uh, you go to any gambling hall in Las Vegas, and it's open. But right. uh, we're in a fight of our lives, and I think God calls us as in Esther uh, 414, and I think We've got to fight, and if we don't, we're going to lose – and particularly, the, we're going to lose the, the churches because they're taking every dollar. And, uh, Tony, f- from seeing this left group, this uh, the, the groups that are promoting abortion, they're promoting pornography, they're promo- promoting uh, more and more tax money going to where they think it ought to be spent – not where, where we the taxpayer thinks it ought to be spent, we've got to fight. And, and I often refer to Jesus turning the tables over in the temple. It's, it's that time. Right.
1: And, and you know, the, the, I like to, when we make reference to Jesus turning over those tables, it was righteous indignation. It was for the reputation of his father, um, which his house was to be called a house of prayer. And I think there comes a point. As as believers, where we've we've seen enough is enough. It's not about us being offended. It's not about us somehow being um, you know attacked. Although those are issues, it's more of the the trampling upon or the disregard for the truth of God, and it is in that righteous indignation that we we need to speak up. And in speaking of that, um, I, I want to talk about because you've I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I believe the Lord calls us to this realm. Um, in fact. One of the things that I'm often asked as I speak, travel around the country, someone, you know, people are inclined to government. They say, well, how do I get involved in government? Uh, how do I run for office? And I say, well, first off, you need to make you need to pray about it. Make sure the Lord is calling you, because unless the call is from the Lord, it will eat your lunch, um, because you've got to have the grace of God that comes with the calling of God. And so you've, you've mentioned that or you've you've talked about that. But let's talk now about. In government, in your role as a congressman, how your faith informs you, how your biblical-based faith in Christ gives guidance to you as a member of Congress. How does that work?
4: Well, it works in a couple of ways. One, you've got to answer the call, uh, just like Trump did and others, uh, me and others, have we've answered the call. And plus, we've got to ask for the guidance. And it's, that only comes through prayer. When I went to the we were the, all the congressional members were invited to the Museum of the Bible and I was talking to the the administrator who opened it up I said what is your overall theme well, what what do you what what do you want to portray to anybody walking through these doors He says very simple read the Bible mm-hmm. and you know if if you read the Bible then it, everything comes alive and as you mentioned, the, the the path that we're to take is very – sometimes you don't want to take it um, because, you know, you have to sacrifice. I mean, running – for being in public office is not easy. People say things that you don't like. They do things you don't like. But it's part of it. And once you answer uh, the call, you realize that to do anything else is, is shirking your responsibility. So you're reading the Bible, asking – direct guidance in what he would have us to do could you do
1: could you fulfill your responsibilities as a member of congress without the foundation of your faith if you you were to check your faith and the guidance that comes from the scriptures you just talked about reading that each day if you couldn't do that do you think you could effectively be the uh, the member of congress that
4: god would want you to be Oh, absolutely not! You'd be totally confused. I mean, Tony, there's so many, there's so many uh, pathways that you can take, and we just there's no way a human can discern um, which which is the right path because a lot of them are uh, they're very enticing. They lead to other things. Everything's interconnected in Washington D.C. Some good, some bad. But if you don't have a prayer-based firm foundation uh, and willing to 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 uh, to heed the commands that you're given, no, you, you'd be a complete uh, disaster. And that's why, if you look at those leading the left, look at their personal lives, you look at how they are. They're, uh, they're, they're disastrous. I mean, they they uh, you wouldn't notice it by looking at them, but in what they say and things they do, uh, you see that they're, the sad part is for them. And mm-hmm. the Christians have a firm base because we, we've got the, I mean, the, the, the Creator giving us the, the way to go. And I use the parable of the seeds. You know, I say, there are miracles every every single day, and people look at me and they say, well, what miracle? Well, I said, P- planting of, and, and I, I'm a gardener. I said, I, if I plant the seed, it sprouts up and produces fruit. I can pray all day long for vegetables, but unless I do my job and plant the seed, you're not going to get it. Now, the miracle is how a seed, a dormant seed, can all of a sudden produce fruit. That's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And But it's not a miracle if I never plant it. It's up to us to plant the seeds.
1: I, I, I asked that question in part because as we see uh, those that are influencing what may very well be a Biden administration, uh, they want – Christians uh, of, of all walks of life who enter into government to check their faith at the door. There's uh, one group, of some of your colleagues from Congress, they, they head up the secular Democrats of America. Um, you have uh, Jamie Raskin and Jared Huffman who are members of Congress that are instrumental in this organization, which is influential with um, uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And, and I want to read from a document that they presented to Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and it is uh, this is right out of the document so I'm not I'm not providing commentary I'm just reading it It says quote issue guidance they're calling on the Biden administration issue guidance that clarifies the duty and obligation of government officials to separate their personal religious beliefs from their work public services are inherently non-sectarian and so public offices and government property um we must establish a new standard for appropriate constitutional conduct by all public officials, whether a county clerk like Kim Davis or a U.S. cabinet official like Secretary Pompeo. They want to force Christians to leave their faith at the door of public service, and as you just described, uh, the end result would be confusion and chaos and a dishonoring of of God, as men and women of faith would not be able to be authentic and to be obedient to uh, to the, their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
4: And what you just read, uh, I see every day in Congress, and you know they do it through a number of ways: through uh, attacks, through you know a, a willing media willing to 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 do just what you read to separate our faith. But it's up to us to, to regardless of what's said or what is done to us, uh, to say, no, we're not doing that. They're the ones that are, are making the huge mistake, and they're the ones are not only to be pitied for not having the faith, but for trying to force that garbage down on all of us. And it's time to – we've got to get a backbone you know, when it comes to this type of, of uh, slanderous activity that they do, and we've got to say – Enough is enough. we're going to put God back in the classroom. We're going to put God back into our decisions that we make in Congress and uh, and take whatever they have because if we don't speak up, who is I mean right. who we're the as, as as we live, we're the only messengers God has through the Holy Spirit. And we, w- for some reason, we've gotten shy and we've gotten, uh, we've got to be, what, what is it not to be bold about with the Christian faith? I, I have no idea.
1: I I agree with you 100 uh, uh, percent, Congressman Norman, that what we need to do is the harder the left wants to silence us, the more they do to try to push us to the uh, fringes of society and the beliefs that we have, we need to be louder And we need to be bolder, and we need to stand our ground for truth. Now, I mean, we do it in a a compassionate, loving way, but the reason we speak the truth is so that men and women would come to know the truth, because Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So we need to love people enough
4: not to be silent. It's our duty. It's our responsibility and uh look at I mean, look at what Jesus did. Was he ever silent? No, was he ever not planting seeds among his his flock? No, why can't we do that with the limited amount of time we have here and I guess the 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 thing that I see daily in Washington they're going to take everything we have if we let them if we don't mm-hmm. get a backbone and a spine, then we're going to suffer the consequences, and it's not. It's, it's not fair to uh, to the Christian spirit that we have taken uh, and live. And it's not, I mean, the Holy Spirit will direct us. I'm convinced of that. Uh, and it's not going to always be pleasant. But if it were pleasant, everybody would be doing it. Uh, Congressman
1: Ralph Norman, we have just a few minutes left. And uh, before we wrap up our time together today, I, I just want to ask you to share with our listeners from across the country uh, and those listening uh, online um, when as a member of Congress and this is not just for you but for your colleagues as well men men and women of faith and as you said there are more and more of them coming to Washington DC which which tells me God's not finished with America nor Washington because he's calling in his people how can our listeners best be
4: praying for you and your colleagues I would pray that um, that uh, God will, will, will really grant us grace. I would pray that we just have the courage to stand up when we haven't stood up. Um, and I would pray that the church would be the leader because the pastors have got such an opportunity. With the members that they have to preach the gospel, to preach boldness, and to for people to accept the call, because we've got to accept it. Uh, God can can urge us, but uh, at the end of the day, we either say yes or we say no. Inactivity is not is not um, an option now with with where we are in this country. So uh, pray for discernment, pray that God will grant, grant us the grace. Uh, to keep America free and keep uh, put Christ back in the public arena and in the classroom,
1: and we will uh, we will pray to that end. Congressman Ralph Norman, thanks so much for uh, joining us today on this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family.
4: Well, Merry Christmas, thank you. Well,
1: folks, and thank you for joining us as well. And I uh, take this opportunity to once again wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Uh, If you missed any of this uh, broadcast, you can always go back and catch it at TonyPerkins.com. It's all archived right there. In fact, you can share that with your friends. So check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is powered by the Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. For
0: more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's
2: 1-866-372-7234.